Welcome to the Bob Harden Show, bringing you news and commentary to keep you informed and enjoying life on the Paradise Coast. And now, here's your host, Bob Harden. Good morning. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by the good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning. Johnson's Air Conditioning is Naples' longest established air conditioning company. I hope you check out the website and give them a call. It's johnsonsairconditioning.com. Also brought to you by Life in Naples magazine. Be in the know and stay up to date by reading Life in Naples. The website is lifeinnaples.net. We have a terrific show lined up for you today, including guests uh, William Yateman, Research Fellow at the Cato Institute. Esther Lully is the Executive Director of a terrific organization, the Collier Senior Resource Senior Center in Golden Gate. We'll visit with Sal Nuzzo. He's the Vice President of Policy with the James Madison Institute. And Larry Bell, endowed professor at the University of Houston and uh, author of several books, his latest, Beyond Flagpoles and Footprints, Pioneering the Space Frontier, he co-authored with Buzz Aldrin. It is May the 27th, and on this day in 1943, a B-24 carrying U.S. airman and former Olympic runner Louis Zamperini uh, crashed into the Pacific Ocean. After Louis survived the crash, uh, Zamperini floated on a raft in a shark-infested waters for more than a month before being picked up by Japanese and spending the next two years in a series of brutal prison camps. His story of survival was uh, featured, of course, in a 2010 best-selling book, Unbroken, by Laura Hillenbrand. He was born in 1917 into Italian immigrants. He grew up in Torrance, California, where he was frequently in trouble with the, uh, with the law. As a teen, he channeled his energy into athletics and became a champion distance runner. At age 19, Zamperini competed for the U.S. in the 1936 Olympic Games in Berlin. He ran the 5,000-meter race and finished in eighth place. However, his final fast lap caught the attention of Adolf Hitler, who later asked to shake Zamperini's hand. After the Olympics, he was a record-setting standout at the University of Southern California's track team. In the fall of 1941, he enlisted in the U.S. Army Corps and was uh, Air Corps, and was eventually stationed in Hawaii. In May 1943, he was serving as a bombardier on a B-24 that was searching for a missing plane when his own aircraft developed mechanical problems and went down in the Pacific. Of the 11 people on board, only 26-year-old Zamperini, along with the pilot and the tail gunner, survived the crash. The three men stayed uh, alive in their small craft by drinking rainwater and eating occasional seabirds and fish which they were able to catch all while facing strafing from Japanese bombers and the ever-present threat of shark attacks. After a month, get that, a month at sea, Francis McNamara, the tail gunner, perished. On their 47th day in the raft, Zamperini and his fellow survivor, Russell Allen Phillips, having drifted some 2,000 miles since the crash, were picked up by the Japanese sailors. For more than two years, the two men were held in a series of prison camps where they were repeatedly beaten and starved. As an ex-Olympian, Zamperini was considered a propaganda tool by the Japanese and was saved from execution. At the time, however, he was singled out for particularly vicious forms of torture. The defiant American survived uh, and was released after the war ended in 1945. Back home in California, he drank heavily and was haunted by experiences in captivity. Then, after being inspired by evangelist Billy Graham to convert to Christianity in 1949, he went on to become an inspirational speaker, he forgave his captors, and published an autobiography, Devils at My Heels. A wider audience learned about his life with the publication of Unbroken by Laura Hillenbrand. He died in 2014 in Los Angeles. He was 97 years of age. What an inspiring story. If you haven't read the book, it's certainly worth a read. I must say it's amazing. Uh, what the American spirit can survive. Uh, Zamperini was just an incredible, incredible man. Wall Street closed sharply higher on Thursday after a raft of solid retail earnings and uh, easing concerns about overly aggressive interest rate hikes by the Federal Reserve. After three major stock indexes posted solid gains with economically sensitive consumer discretionary and microchip stocks beating the broader market, on a weekly basis, the S&P 500, Dow, and NASDAQ are on track to snap their longest losing streaks in decades, during which the benchmark S&P plummeted 14.1% and brought it within striking distance of being confirmed as a bear market. At current levels, all three indexes were poised to notch their biggest weekly gain since March. 
Upbeat guidance from retailers appears to offset dour warnings from their peers in recent weeks. According to preliminary data, the S&P 500 gained 79.51 points, and the NASDAQ up 301. The Dow Jones Industrial Average rose 520. So, and right now, futures are up uh, nicely in the morning, so perhaps we're seeing a turnaround in this market. You can never tell, though. We'll, we'll see and watch. But it would be nice to see a rally before the 2022 midterms. Senate Majority Leader Charles Schumer, or Chuck, on Wednesday in the wake of the mass shooting at the elementary school in southern Texas has just used his powers to kill a new proposed safe school safety bill. The bill would have charged the Department of Homeland Security with establishing standards of the best practices in the area of school safety and to collect clearinghouse data analytics using feedback on the implementation of best practices and recommendations identified by the clearinghouse and any evaluation conducted on these best practices and recommendations. After the horrific mass shooting at Uvalde, Texas, a landmark elementary school that killed 19 children and two teachers, Senator Ron Johnson asked for the Luke and Alex School Safety Act to be passed by unanimous consent. Schumer, however, commented publicly that he felt that the bill would lead to more guns in schools and believes that the guns could control legislation. Control legislation is the solution. He really said that. Unbelievable. GOP Senator uh, Johnson just tried uh, for a bill that could see more guns in schools. I blocked it, said Schumer. The truth, we are officers at schools in Texas. The shooter got past them. We need real solutions, which, of course, was not true. We'll talk about that in a moment. We'll vote on a gun legislation starting with the Domestic Terrorism Prevention Act. Johnson immediately tweeted his frustration and criticism of Schumer, saying that the Democrats in the Senate and at other levels of government are looking for wedge issues and don't really want to solve the issue. Not surprising, the Democrat leader would lie about the bill he blocked. The parents of Parkland victims have been trying to pass this for years. Dems are looking for solutions. They want wedge issues. They aren't looking for solutions. They want wedge issues, and they hope will keep them in power. Pretty sick, said Johnson. Well, in the aftermath of the horrific elementary school shooting in Ovalde, uh, it left 19 children dead and two teachers. Uh, Reports about police behavior during the tragedy are raising serious questions. The Associated Press reported Thursday that during the 40-minute massacre, onlookers and parents begged law enforcement to enter the building. The footage of the officers staying around outside the school in Texas while parents pled with them to go into the devastation Something has broken our society, said Human Events Senior Editor Jack Prosobic, uh, who's quite an interesting guy in and of himself. In fact, it looks as though they've even detained one parent on the ground who wanted to go in and save his child. I don't know how to describe the other uh, than pure horror, he said. That's Prosobic. The Wall Street Journal reported that uh, Thursday that Angeli Rose Gomez whose two children attended the school, drove to the scene after hearing of the shooting. But Gomez said that even after her 40-mile drive, she arrived to find the police doing nothing. They were just standing around outside the fence. They weren't going there or running anywhere, said Gomez. Gomez says she was handcuffed by federal marshals who took her uh, until she was under arrest, and then she begged officers to enter the building. After eventually convincing officers to unshackle her, Gomez hopped the fence entered the building, and ran out with her uh, both children. Amazing story. Gomez reportedly saw police tackle a father and pepper spray another. Uh, Lieutenant Christopher Alvarez of the Department of Public Safety told CNN that shooter barricaded himself by locking the door and just started shooting children and teachers that were inside the classroom and added, it just shows you the complete evil of the shooter. The bottom line is law enforcement was there, Department Safety Director Steve McCall told reporters. They did engage immediately. They did contain Ramos in the classroom. Well, part of the delay in stopping the barricaded uh, elementary school shooter hinged on a deadly mix of shooters' defensive tactics and the lack of needed gear. Specifically, officers lacked the ballistic shield needed to enter the classroom with a barricaded shooter. Attempting to breach the door without a ballistic shield would have resulted in certain death for officers who could have provided the shooter with officers' weapons and ammunition. There's also the possibility the shooter could have taken police communications gear off the officers' bodies, thereby giving the shooter the ability to listen to police movement and plans. So uh, that's probably the uh, 
justification for this, but needless to say, all this demonstrates, in spite of intentions, the lack of preparation. And Schumer's idea of getting rid of guns in schools was, in my opinion, nonsense. After 9-11, they didn't ban airplanes. Seems to me they secured cockpits. Maybe they should secure the schools. That should be the, the attempt. In fact, you could probably make a case for making sure that all teachers had some sort of gun training so some they should have the ability, of course, to choose not to carry or uh, in schools. But uh, if, in fact, these lowlifes knew that everybody was armed or felt that most people were armed or could be hurt as a result of they'd probably that would probably deter them from wanting to entering enter a school building. Well, the Treasury expects to feed on a 28% surge in individual income taxes this year and another spurt in 2025 when the Trump tax cuts expire. That, according to a new budget analysis, the latest Congressional Budget Office re- uh, report revealed expectations of $2.6 trillion in income taxes this year, up from $2 trillion last year. Now, remember, this is after the trap, uh, Trump tax cuts. Uh, record revenue. Do you think you're paying enough taxes? I certainly do, especially when you watch how the government spends it. Not only is this the highest ever, but it's also the biggest share of the gross domestic product since income taxes began. The CBO said the overall federal revenue is expected to reach a record $4.8 trillion in 2022, a 19% one-year increase. That's amazing and absurd. The strong revenue growth in 2021 and 22 results from mostly from large increases in collections of individual income taxes. Total revenues in 2022 are projected to equal 19.6% of the nation's gross domestic product, the largest annual revenues relative to the size of the economy since 2000, said the CBO. The numbers were higher than the agency predicted last year as the economy recovered from the virus crisis. They're expected to go further. What's more, the CBO suggested that if the Internal Revenue Service receives the budget hike sought by President Joe Biden, its collections will rise even further. Maybe not. If you raise taxes, quite frankly, the likelihood is that revenue will drop because people will be seeking ways to avoid paying high taxes. People are now paying more in total income taxes than ever, even considering the 2017 tax cuts signed in by the president. And they'll be paying significantly more when elements of those tax cuts expire in 2025, said the CBO. It's an amazing story. Revenues from individual taxes, the largest source of revenue, uh, federal revenues, rose in 2021 and projected to do so in 2022 as the economy recovers from the recession. So um, I think uh, President Biden should uh, Stop talking about raising taxes and having people pay their fair share. We're paying our fair share, quite frankly. This segment of the show brought to you by the good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning, Naples' longest established air conditioning company. The website is johnsonsairconditioning.com. Also brought to you by Life in Naples magazine. Be in the know and stay up to date by reading Life in Naples. The website is lifeinnaples.net. Coming up, I'm going to visit with William Yateman, Research Fellow at the Cato Institute. That and more right here in the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. I'm Bob Harden, the host of The Bob Harden Show. One of my favorites for breakfast or lunch is Lulabee's Diner, providing great service, fabulous food, and a rockin' good time. Lulabee's Diner is a throwback to the 60s, complete with great music and a fabulous 60s decor. What I like best is a blend of great food, great value, and terrific service. Most of the friendly waitstaff has been part of Lulabee's for years. I enjoy the great choices for breakfast and lunch, and you'll find the menu has everything and anything to satisfy your taste. Lulabee's offers catering, party platters, lunch boxes, and more. Lulabee's Diner will quickly become one of your favorites for breakfast or lunch. No reservations are needed. Check out the website at lulabees.com and stop by Lulabee's Diner, open from 8 a.m. until 2 p.m., seven days a week. Lulabee's Diner in the Green Tree Shopping Center at the corner of Immokalee and Airport Pulling Roads. Stop by Lulabee's Diner for fabulous food and for a forever cool rockin' good time.
Collier County Sheriff Kevin Rambaugh says the number one reason the elderly become victims is isolation. The Collier Senior Center goes a long way in keeping seniors connected with the community and with each other. The Collier Senior Center, located at 4898 Coronado Parkway in Golden Gate, provides comprehensive information regarding services and resources that affect the quality of life of older adults and their caregivers in Collier County, empowering them to maintain independent and meaningful lives. Here's Esther Lully, director of Collier Senior Center. Everyone, every senior is welcome. There's diversity there. It's vibrant. It's a caring atmosphere. So there's a reason we offer the services and programs that we do. We want to help enrich the lives of senior members and provide support to their caregivers. Want to find out more? Visit CollierSeniorCenter.org. That's CollierSeniorCenter.org. Or call the Collier Senior Center at 239-252-4541. That's 252-4541. Welcome back to the Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by Choice Social. Choice Social is a new, refreshing social networking platform. And you can find out more and download the app by visiting the website choicesocial.us. Coming up, we just heard the commercial about the Collier Senior Center in Golden Gate. Esther Lolly, the executive director, will be joining us in the next segment of the show. Right now, we have with us William Yateman, a research fellow at the Cato Institute. William, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much for having me on, Bob. Always a pleasure. William, tell us about the Cato Institute. You bet. Uh, we're a think tank here in Washington, D.C., and we're dedicated to advancing the ideals of free society at every level of government. Cato.org is the website, C-A-T-O.org. I hope you'll check it out. So uh, let's talk about what's going on in Capitol Hill. It doesn't seem to be much of an agenda going forward right now. Uh, what's happening on, in Congress? Well, so this week, uh, let's see, House was out on recess this week, but the Senate was in. Um, I guess the big news would have been in the, in the wake of the tragedy in Texas, um, the bipartisan talks in the Senate had started up over gun control legislation. Um, and actually, Senate Minority Leader Mitch McConnell has given uh, Texas Senator John Cornyn a green light to go ahead and participate in these negotiations, which include all the usual suspects for these bipartisan uh, 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 discussions, you know, the cinemas, uh, mansions, and, and Romneys of the world. Um, uh, it's uh, any Schumer has promised to vote next June. I mean, as I noted last Friday, and I've noted, noted before, Memorial Day generally is the cutoff for difficult things to get done in Congress during an election year because they're all off campaigning um, so much. So, it is, uh, I would say, given McConnell's, you know, the, the fact that he didn't uh, register uh, sort of outright opposition, um, to me suggests that perhaps something could get done. Um, I would say the calendar does make uh, anything significant unlikely, but there does seem to be some bipartisan momentum behind uh, some sort of uh, enhanced background checks mm. or this so-called red flag legislation, which I understand you've got in Florida um, which establishes some sort of procedure uh, whereby authorities can get a court order uh, deeming an individual a threat to himself or, or others and thereby deprive them of a right to a gun. Um, so that, I guess, would be the primary thing on the uh, Congress's plate uh, through June, or certainly that would seem as much as of right now. I must say, uh, it's probably a good idea, this uh, red flag laws. However, anything that kind of inhibits our constitutional freedoms uh, is a concern. For example, the no-fly list, these types of things can be used politically, and it concerns me, but I suppose the upside is uh, pretty significant as well. Well, you know, I'll be honest, gun control is not something, it's not my bailiwick. I mean, it's not something I focus on, but what you say speaks a great deal of sense to me. Um, that is to say, you know, we are dealing with the core constitutional rights on the one hand. On the other hand, you know, if there's common sense measures that are widely popular, um, you know, I think perhaps they can be accommodated within our constitutional framework, but I can't, you know, I'm not an expert there. I can't speak to that authoritatively. Well, thank you, William. Let's, let's move to the Sussman trial because I'm, I'm hopeful that there's a lot going on. And of course it's somewhat cryptic and it moves slowly. So it's hard to follow the progress. What's happening? 
Well, shoot. I mean, it moved faster than I had initially supposed last week. So mm. the prosecution wrapped up on Wednesday and the defense rested on Thursday. Um, so we're going to have closing arguments start today and then presumably jury deliberations next week. Um, as I've mentioned before, sort of the, the legal charge here was always going to be an uphill climb for, uh, for Durham. I mean, you know, as I noted before, <clears throat> there are three um, Hillary Clinton donors from 2016 on the jury, seated on the jury. Um, you know, that's just a, a function of the fact that this city, Washington, D.C., where the trial was being held, is 90 percent Democrat. Mm-hmm. Um, but that hasn't stopped, you know, notwithstanding sort of the uphill legal climb. Um, it, it, this has resulted in the uh, some stark revelations, if you will, about all the shenanigans and dirty political tricks and, and rot at the FBI that led to all this, you know, Russiagate sideshow, really. Um, so revelations include last Friday, Hillary Clinton's campaign manager testified that she had personally approved um, leaks to the media um, of this bogus alpha bank story um, in order to, def- to deflect attention from her private servers. Um, we also learned, I think this was on Tuesday, that another FBI lawyer, a Mr. Curtis Hyde, is under investigation um, for having withheld exculpatory information in George Papadopoulos's uh, FISA wiretap application. Um, I'll note here that Mr. Hyde would be the fourth FBI G-man to be in hot water over all this. Um, you know, we've got Peter Strozik, Lisa Page, everyone knows them. Kevin Kleinsmith, the guy who lied on the uh, FISA application for Carter Page, um, and now this this Curtis Hyde, uh, that's troubling. You know, four wayward agents uh, on the same issue, um, politically charged one at that. Um, and that really gets to the overall takeaway, which is the rot at the FBI. Mm-hmm. Um, the evidence has come to light that this investigation was really pressed upon lower-level FBI investigators by the higher ops, yeah, um, then that's remarkable. I mean, you know, in, in initiating the investigation, um, the higher ups uh, uh, mistakenly, um, you know, who knows what, why this could be, but they uh, intimated to the investigators that they had gotten the tip from the Department of Justice instead of from Michael Sussman, you know, a lawyer for the Clinton campaign. Um, in, when investigators were initially dubious uh, about there being any there with respect to these allegations of Alpha Bank and the Trump administration. And the investigators wanted to know, wanted to know more about the source of the information. The higher-ups um, deflected that they wouldn't divulge. So we've got this strange dynamic where the person, the, the defense, Sussman's defense really is that his, his lie wasn't material. Um, you know, when he failed to divulge that he was acting on behalf of the Clinton uh, campaign, that it wasn't material because the higher-ups were hell-bent on pressing with this investigation regardless, which is remarkable. Um, So it really does, you know, between all these G-men, you know, the fourth one, an investigation coming to light, you know, or that their their malfeasance is is being investigated, and between this this open evidence of of higher-ups pushing um, for this investigation, it really is troubling. I mean, you know, we, we've got, again, a, a campaign co-opted the FBI. Um, they basically sicked the G-men um, on the, the Trump transition in order to tarnish them. Um, so it, it truly is outrageous, and it, frankly, it's outrageous that more isn't being made of this. I mean, you know, I won't go into an aside about mainstream media and all that, but um, what we've got unfolding before us is in my eyes, and I don't, I'm, I'm not, I don't like to be hyperbolic, but um, this is as bad as the Nixon stuff. I mean, again, we're co-opting state power to punish our political enemy. That that's problematic. Yeah, no, I've, I've been suspecting this uh, for a long time. I'm a little bit cynical about uh, whether anything is going to come of this. I certainly hope it will. I know that Durham has a fantastic reputation for his tenacity and sticking with this, but uh, you know, right now the. Uh, Wheels of justice are grinding slow. I think we knew all this back in the day, but uh, it's taken a couple of years. But hopefully, uh, I, you know, for example, I doubt seriously this is ever going to splash on Hillary Clinton. Well, um, perhaps, perhaps not. But I'll say this. I'm hopeful. As I noted in prior calls, 
Um, you know, it's, it's one thing to go after private citizens for lying to the government. At the end of the day, um, what we really need is for this investigation to get after the government, to get after the, the malfeasance of the FBI. Right. Um, and to that end, you know, he, the Durham is starting to rack up quite a tally of disgraced G-men who were implicated by this you know, Russiagate, uh, these Russiagate shenanigans. So yeah. that, to me at least, is heartening. And, you know, at some point, the number of disgraced FBI G-men um, associated with this is going to become um, great enough where people can't uh, ignore it anymore, where, where it can't be, you know, hid from the front pages. So, um, you know, it is, uh, God bless Durham, and, and you know, uh, uh, Godspeed. Right, uh, from your lips to God's ear. William Yateman, again, research fellow at the Cato Institute. I encourage you to visit Cato.org, C-A-T-O.org. William, always appreciate your commentary here on the show. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much for having me on. Bob. My pleasure, indeed. All right, coming up, Esther Lully. She is the executive director of the Collier Senior Center in Golden Gate. That and more right here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Do you suffer with chronic pain and discomfort? After back surgery, I had painful tendons and muscles and difficulty standing upright. On a referral, I visited Dr. Alec at I Am Designed to Heal, Naples Only Vitality and Longevity Practice, where acupuncture, medical massage, energy healing, and integrative holistic medicine are harmonized to create a one-of-a-kind restorative experience. After only two visits, my pain began to dissipate and I could stand and walk more upright. It was amazing. I plan to continue my treatments to enhance my sense of well-being. Don't suffer needlessly with discomfort and pain. Improve your quality of life. See for yourself and make an appointment by visiting the website IamDesignedToHeal.com. That's IamDesignedToHeal.com or you can call or text Dr. Alec at 239-322-3817. That's 322-3817. Visit IamDesignedToHeal.com for an amazing, one-of-a-kind, restorative experience. Do you have questions about your retirement? Ameriprise Private Wealth Advisor Jason Nardella with Nardella Financial Group, a private wealth advisory practice of Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, can help. With the exclusive Confident Retirement Approach, you'll work together to develop a retirement roadmap to get you where you want to go. Call Nardella Financial Group today at 239-325-1041. That's 239-325-1041. Office is located at 9015 Stratistel Court, Suite 103, Naples, Florida. The Confident Retirement Approach is not a guarantee of future financial results. Investment advisory products and services are made available through Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, a registered investment advisor. Welcome back to the Bob Harton Show. And now here's your host... Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by Gulf Shore Playhouse, bringing you professional New York-style theater at its very best. Great theater. And I encourage you to visit the website and find out more. Get tickets. GulfShorePlayhouse.org is the website. Coming up, we're going to be visiting with Larry Bell. He's the endowed professor at the University of Houston. Right now, we have with us Esther Lully. As I mentioned before the break, she is the executive director of the Collier Senior Center in Golden Gate. Esther, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, Bob. Good morning to you. Good morning to you, Esther. Thanks so much for joining us. Esther, tell us about the Collier Senior Center. What's it all about? Well... Bob, thank you so much for that question. The Collier Senior Center um, is a place where we provide care and services for our seniors in need. For those of our listeners who may not know much about us, since 2014, the Senior Center was founded and it was open in the Golden Gate area um, to provide some of the program and services that I'm getting ready to talk to you about. As you know, seniors are the fastest growing segment of the nation with 10,000 individuals turning 65 years old every day. And up until Senior Center was founded, the Collier County was the only county in Florida without any type of senior resource center, hmm. despite having one of the nation's highest population 
of women and men over the age of 65. And so at the Senior Center, uh, we provide services for nearly 1,500 registered members of, of no charge. We offer 20-plus programs and many um, offerings each month. We provide a free daily hot lunch and a coffee bar. Uh, we have weekly food pantry. We have monthly birthday parties, celebration, exercise classes, arts and crafts, um, cards and games, regular health screening, assessment and lectures, holiday parties, and so many more offerings for seniors. And so this is on the program side of what they can expect to find at our senior center on a weekly basis. In addition to that, we also have a direct assistance program where we provide a one-time 400 financial assistance that can be used for prescriptions, utility shutoff, rent or mortgage payments, uh, durable medical equipment, gas cards, eyeglasses, you name it, Bob, whatever help they need, we are able to help them source that, of course, paying directly to the vendors um, to ensure that the payment um, is being made on their behalf and it is meeting their need to help them out. And not just helping them financially in light of this housing crisis, because no senior should have to make the decision between whether they are going to afford life-saving medications or pay for rent. Yeah. And we want to help to alleviate that burden burden. And another program we also have is the Upslide program. Um, and the Upslide stands for utilizing and promoting social engagement for loneliness, isolation, and depression in the elderly. And this program has two segments to it. There's a friendship connection group where they gather on a weekly basis with a licensed mental health therapist, and they have discussions and topic about what is relevant to them. And we also want them to engage with their peers, uh, becoming socially involved. And if they want, um, at their will, they can also meet with the counselor for individual counseling. So these are just some of the programs we, we offer at our center. Yeah, no, thank you, Esther, for that. I know uh, one of the things that most impresses me, of course, is the fact that uh, as we get, uh, get older, we tend to lose connection with folks, our friends and people from dying or becoming ill or whatever it might be. If people become isolated, it's just not healthy to have the connection. So this is a lightning rod for people to have, be able to make these connections and be able to get the support. You'd mentioned financial, physical, food, and so forth, but also uh, also uh, just the, the ability to have uh, friendship and interaction with others. It's just so critical to, yes. to good health. Yes, and it's great you highlight that. And, you know, so many of our seniors come for various needs. Um, some is just simply for the socialization, you know, for the laughter that's in the room, participating in the activities, being celebrated. There's nothing like being in a room of laughter and, more importantly, being with your peers that mm. can understand what you're going through um, at this phase of your life and to be at a place where you're welcomed, you're respected, um, you're treated with courtesy and whatever help you need. We have our program coordinator who is there to um, assist our members to keep activities ongoing to, you know, help with their physicality and strengthen them. And we also have our awesome social service coordinator um, to help them with any personal needs that they may have. And so, yes, you are in fact correct. The Collier Senior Center is the one-stop shop, you know, for our seniors here in Collier County. Yeah, no, and the uh, I, I would imagine nobody knows uh, better than you, Esther, in understanding what's happening with, I've talked to people, younger people who are, uh, for example, seeing enormous increases in their rent, they're concerned, they have to move, and, and that becomes a real problem for, for seniors. Uh, can you can you elaborate a little bit on that? Is, that, is this a problem for the people in, uh, that uh, you're dealing with? Absolutely. Um, as you mentioned, with the ongoing community conversations uh, surrounding affordable housing in Southwest Florida and everything that entails, Bob, and how it affects, you know, others on a daily basis, um, the escalating prices of food, utilities, and gasoline, Call Your Senior Center program is even more crucial in helping seniors have secure housing um, to meet their most basic needs. So we are not just simply helping them with this direct assistance. We're listening to their needs to also make sure that we can uh, come alongside our community partners to collaborate to help them meet their needs, holistically speaking. Yeah, because if you're 75 years old or, you know, elderly, 
Uh, I'm 76. <laughs> I shouldn't, it's hard to even say that it's elder, but but uh, the point being is it's just not easy to lift uh, lift up roots and uh, and move someplace else. So uh, I would imagine having support during that time could be just extremely critical to uh, to uh, seniors. Esther, just really appreciate the efforts that uh, you're making on our behalf. Again, I just remind our listeners that uh, there is a direct assistance program. Of course, if rent's going up and if you have to deal with that and you have need for uh, prescriptions or utility shutoff or anything like that, uh, again, the Collier Senior Center is a great resource, Esther. Just uh, any, any final comments at all? Yes, I would like our listeners to know that our services open Monday through Friday from 9 a.m. to 5 p.m. The address is 4898 Coronado Parkway. Go ahead, stop in at any time um, to learn more about our services, how we can help, or even if a caregiver is listening to this conversation online, if you have a parent or a family member or know someone who is in need to help their senior loved one, definitely have them come over to the center or give us a call at 239 254541 and we will be more than happy to assist in any way that we can. Oh, thank you, Esther. Is there a website? Yes, there is a website. Website is www.callyourseniorcenter.org. Esther Lully, again, Executive Director of the Collier Senior Center, doing great things here for the community in Collier County. Thank, thank you so much you. for joining us here on the show. Likewise. Have a great day. You as well. Thank you so much, Esther. All right, coming up, we're going to be visiting with Sal Nuzo. He is the Vice President of Policy for the James Madison Institute. We'll be talking about the great things that have happened uh, in the special session in in, uh, Florida to address the whole issue of insurance. That and more right here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Do you suffer from joint pain in your shoulders, hips, or knees? I was suffering from debilitating pain in my knees. On a referral, I saw Dr. George Markovich with the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine. He successfully treated my symptoms and pain for several months. Finally, having exhausted all alternatives for pain management, Dr. Markovich and I agreed that surgery was my best alternative. Dr. Markovich replaced both of my knees in 2006, and I now have full range of motion in both knees, and I have no pain. I now play golf and exercise free of debilitating pain in my knees. Don't suffer needlessly with joint pain. Call orthopedic surgeon Dr. George Markovich with the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine at 482-5399. That's 482-5399. He did a great job for me and he'll help you too. School Choice is a growing movement, one that is already lifting thousands of kids across America and is now supported by three out of four voters. The Optima Foundation, a 501c3 nonprofit, was founded to support the establishment and expansion of superior schools of choice. Optima's goal is the successful launch of Hillsdale College, classical academies, and other schools of excellence serving kindergarten through 12th grade. The mission is to train the minds and improve the hearts of young people through content-rich classical education in the liberal arts and sciences with instruction in the principles of moral character and civic virtue. A terrific product of the process, Naples Classical Academy opened this fall in a classical virtual school. Optima Classical Academy will open in 2022. Find out more by visiting OptimaEd.org. Help children in Florida optimize their education opportunities. Visit www.OptimaEd.org. Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. We're providing you news and commentary rooted in a commitment to individual liberty, personal responsibility, limited government, and the rule of law. Coming up, we're going to visit with Larry Bell, endowed professor at the University of Houston. Right now we have with us Sal Nuzo. He is the vice president of policy for the James Madison Institute. Sal, thank you so much for joining us. Always a pleasure to be with you, Bob. Thank you, Sal. Tell us about the James Madison Institute. 
Sure. Well, JMI is a uh, nonprofit uh, public policy think tank. Uh, we're based in Tallahassee, and we cover the entire state of Florida, promoting the values of limited government and uh, low taxes and low regulation. Uh, we do that both with our uh, state legislature as well as members of Congress in D.C. I think the James Madison Institute is a great resource, especially for Florida voters. There's a lot of things that are going on in Florida many times. We have a, amendments to the Constitution. Great resource to get some balanced viewpoints about, uh, about amendments that are proposed and uh, ways to look at it. So I just really appreciate the contribution that the James Madison Institute makes. Sal, uh, we just finished a special session and, uh, that uh, this, the governor had called. Uh, it was focused mainly on insurance. Uh, we're talking about property insurance, the cost and availability of. Uh, can you give us an, a wrap-up and tell us what happened? Yeah, absolutely. Well, I think it's also important to frame up why this special session was necessary. So um, property owners around the state, homeowners, are seeing double and in some cases triple-digit increases in the premiums for their homeowners insurance. And this has been a long, a problem a long time in the making. It's involved years to get here. And, excuse me, it has taken this um, kind of uh, path to get to where the legislature has to address it. And the root cause of this is a litigation environment in the state of Florida that incentivizes uh, basically billboard trial attorneys to file frivolous and meritless litigation to the tune of tens of thousands of lawsuits around the state that have created a, an environment that um, uh, homeowners are being scammed and the taxpayers are ending up having to make up the difference. And so the legislature tried in the uh, regular session to address it. They weren't able to come to an agreement, and so the governor brought them back. And so, uh, you know, I can imagine the pushback from trial lawyers was pretty significant. Were, were they successful, yep. in your opinion? I'm, I'm sorry, what was that one? Were they successful, Sal? Sal and others, do they come up with some ideas that would uh, perhaps contribute to the lowering of premiums yes. and availability? Yes. Well, largely there is agreement over the two main drivers within the civil litigation regulations that, that are causing this. One is something called one-way attorney's fees. And without going in depth in terms of like getting into the details on it, what it does is it creates an incentive for insurance companies that are having these meritless claims to settle quickly as opposed to trying to fight them. The second thing, and this kind of pairs with it, is what's called a contingency fee multiplier. What we know is a lot of attorneys uh, take these cases on contingencies. They they take a portion of the settlement. And so uh, there is a wonky regulation in the statutes governing when these contingency fees can be multiplied. So the lawyers for uh, that are that are going up against these uh, insurance companies and homeowners are getting two or three times the normal fee. Hmm. And so those two things absolutely needed to be addressed. And so they started to go that, down that road, and they also have to um, had to address uh, the fact that a lot of insurance companies, not the big names, but a lot of carriers in the state are simply leaving because of this litigation environment. And so they focused on the short term of getting some of these companies back to solvency so that homeowners weren't getting um, kind of uh, kind of left in the lurch and also looking at the long term for how do we begin to address the runway litigation in Florida for years to come. You think it was successful? Will this, will this help? I would give it probably a B or a B minus. Uh, I know that, you know, the, the thing about trial attorneys is they have a lot of money and they're able to lobby very aggressively and to an extent very effectively. And so uh, the legislature acknowledged through some of the uh, laws that were passed in this special session that, that one-way attorney's fees and uh, contingency fees multipliers have to be uh, kind of restricted. So they did some restricting language. The more important thing for the short term, which I think is where you're going to see or homeowners are going to see the most immediate either relief or a stopping of the bleeding, is on what's called the reinsurance to assist 
Policyholders Program. Now, it is a program that, that insurance companies can tap into for reinsurance relief. And what we mean by reinsurance is this is the insurance that insurance companies uh, get for their claims. So if a, a company has a billion dollars in policies, they have a billion dollars in risk, they can buy insurance on that. Mm-hmm. And part of the challenge was uh, when Florida gets hit by storms, we are a hurricane state, those claims come due and the insurance companies need some kind of financial solvency in order to do that. So uh, that was probably the two biggest parts of the bill that I think would be the most immediately successful. So the, the, an outstanding outcome, a perfect outcome of, of uh, this would be that, number one, we'd have more companies wanting to come into Florida. Number two, competition to, to uh, lower premiums uh, to, to make it a competitive market. And number three, to uh, reduce the importance and perhaps even get rid of citizens' insurance, which right now taxpayers are on the hook for. What are your yes, thoughts? Yes, and, and that is precisely the uh, the challenge that Florida has. And for folks who don't know what Citizens Property Insurance Corp is, it is the state-run insurer of last resort. At the end of the day, it, it kind of functions like a, uh, a socialized insurance program for homeowners insurers, or insurance that, that can't be gotten on the private market. Mm-hmm. The challenge with this is that as companies, private companies, leave the state, more and more homeowners are having to get insurance through citizens. And what happens there is we now have a case where citizens has more than one million policies in force in the Oof. state. Now, that's probably, uh, you know, 10 times what they should have uh, because we should have a robust market. But at the root of this, frivolous litigation drives insurers out of the state and ultimately ends up ballooning the the size of citizens. And so you're absolutely right. The legislature in future years is going to have to uh, enact further reforms that will kind of downsize uh, the impact of citizens. Well, thank you for that, Sal. Before I let you go, uh, I know that the uh, special legislature uh, session also addressed the whole notion of the Surfside condo situation, the collapse of the condo on eastern in eastern Florida. Did it, uh, the, the special session do anything to address that? Yeah, as a matter of fact, um, that was a bill that had largely been um, uh, championed by uh, in a bipartisan manner. It did not get across the finish line in the regular session because they ran out of time and they were debating over some very in-the-weed things on the certification requirements for engineers and such. And so the governor wisely in the middle of this session asked the leadership, can we bring this back up? They quickly agreed. They reached a, uh, a consensus on the right package to kind of move forward with that. And uh, I, I don't know if you know the history behind this, but the, uh, the reason for the reform need is dates back to when Charlie Crist was governor and they made some uh, at his direction some very unwise decisions uh, back in the uh, early 2000s on how high-rise condominiums uh, are inspected and maintained their kind of structural soundness. So I'm very pleased that they were able to kind of come to agreement quickly on that as well. So interesting. Sal, I really appreciate this update. I just, again, I'll encourage our listeners to visit jamesmadison.org. jamesmadison.org is the website. Sal, I really appreciate your commentary here on the show. Thank you so much for joining us. Absolutely a pleasure, Bob. Anytime. Thank you, Sal. All right, coming up, going to visit with Larry Bell, endowed professor at the University of Houston in space architecture and author of many books, his latest, Beyond Flagpoles and Footprints, Pioneering the Space Frontier. He co-authored the book with Buzz Aldrin. That and more right here in the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Do you have questions about your retirement? Ameriprise Private Wealth Advisor Jason Nardella with Nardella Financial Group, a private wealth advisory practice of Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, can help. With the exclusive Confident Retirement Approach, 
You'll work together to develop a retirement roadmap to get you where you want to go. Call Nardella Financial Group today at 239-325-1041. That's 239-325-1041. Office is located at 9015 Stratistel Court, Suite 103, Naples, Florida. The confident retirement approach is not a guarantee of future financial results. Investment advisory products and services are made available through Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, a registered investment advisor. Provence Restaurant is a favorite dining destination for many Neapolitans, including Linda and myself. Blue Provence, located in a historic building in the heart of Old Naples at Creighton Cove, offers a mix of French bistro cooking with bold, fresh Floridian flavors. Experience award-winning cuisine at Blue Provence and enjoy one of Florida's most extensive, eclectic, and fun wine cellars. Dining your choice of the popular Eden Bar, the intimate Courtyard Garden, or the beautiful Provencal Caribbean Dining Room. Enjoy a wonderful and memorable evening in a casual and relaxed atmosphere that includes a taste of Provencal hospitality. Blue Provence is open seven days a week, all year round. Visit blueprovencenaples.com for reservations, everyday specials, and coming events. That's blueprovencenaples.com or call 261-8239. That's 261-8239. Blue Provence French Restaurant in the heart of Old Naples. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by the Foundation for Government Accountability. I hope you check out the, the website and find out more. It's thefga.org. We have with us Larry Bell, endowed professor at the University of Houston in space architecture and author of many books. His latest, Beyond Flagpoles and Footprints, Pioneering the Space Frontier, he co-authored w- with Buzz Aldrin. He also writes his column for uh, Newsmax.com. It's called On Point. Professor Bell, thank you so much for joining us here on the show. Well, it's always a pleasure. Thank you so much. My pleasure, Professor. Uh, your latest column in Newsmax, really interesting. Durham trials track trails through Washington swamps. Maybe you could tell us about it. Yeah, I uh, don't know how many of your listeners are following this. It's kind of an interesting saga where uh, John Durham, special prosecutor, uh, is looking into a whole lot of issues regarding, uh, particularly, you know, the Russian collusion charges against Trump, and uh, you know the you know the uh, various information that's been put together to make make Trump's life really pretty miserable, even before he was elected. Throughout his throughout his presidency, the uh, first there was the. Uh, dirty dossier that the Hillary campaign and the Democratic National Party cooked up. Uh, Hillary, Hillary had a huge email problem. She had about 30-some thousand emails that were on a private server unprotected during her time as Secretary of State. And uh, that and some of them contained classified information. And people may remember that those those emails sort of got deleted with hammer, hammers and hacksaws or whatever, right. uh, and they, they kind of disappeared from sight, which which isn't a nice thing to do when you have you know national security issues concerned. And so, as a distraction, and all the things I'm saying are are are, are clearly proven now. I mean, it's no, I'm not. This is not conjecture. So, so Hillary had a problem, and so in order to distract from her problem. You know, she and her cronies had had cooked up. You know, she, there's this one fellow that was a tech exec had been offered a a big position with Hillary camp. You know, Hillary uh, presidency. You know, administration if he got elected. But, you know, cooked up this uh, this Russian collusion thing with all, all this really really nasty uh, stuff that they planned on Trump, which was totally untrue. And uh, the so-called dirty dossier, and and so on. So you had one hand, you had this all this stuff that was that fed into his this Russian collusion, you know, Trump narrative that he was impeached for. And then there, parallel to that, there's another whole messy saga where 
they cooked up a, a, additional stuff to try to try Trump to this Alpha Bank. It was they were trying to show that he had he had connections, some kind of nefarious connections with Russian banks, which is all, again totally made up. Mm. And uh, you know, so here we were right in the middle of that as well, and and they were they cooked up this big story about Russian collusion and the banks thing and so on, and try, try to plant it with the FBI. With the with the you know the top lawyer from the FBI, and uh, FBI knew it stunk, and and knew there was really nothing to it. But nevertheless, they really used that to shop that to the media. They, you know, their whole idea, just before the election, was to was to shop this. And, and one one of, one of the one of the peddlers was uh, Jake Sullivan, who's now you know head of national you know national you know, security. But he was pretty pretty scary stuff and. So I mean, this whole, whole mess of collusion, all tied to you know Hillary stuff and the election stuff, and and the FBI had their fingerprints all over it, and and of course, so now Sussman, you know, is I mean John Durham is is looking into this, and the first case uh, to to materialize is this one against Hillary's campaign lawyer. Michael Sussman and uh, and you know, they're they're looking into his or really charging him, indicting him for lying to the FBI he, that you know he was purportedly he said he was coming to the FBI with all this this information just because he's such a nice guy, so concerned about the <laughs> you, know, the, you know the country <laughs> and, the, and the FBI figured out pretty quickly, you no, know, no, this is. This is a campaign plan for Hillary Clinton, and so, so he's charged with he's charged with, with giving false information to the FBI, and, and uh, so you got this this mess, and I don't know how much you're hearing about it in the mainstream media. I don't really follow, admittedly, don't follow the mainstream media, but but uh, and you say, well, this is yesterday's news, you know, you know, so what? So they, you know, so they nearly, uh, you know, knocked Trump off in the 2016 election, and. Yeah, maybe maybe the deep states got their fingers all over the 2020 Biden deal, you know, covering up, you know, Hunter's laptop from Hill. But but it's pretty scary stuff. Yeah. And, you know, uh, Professor, to me, I, I had a conversation with a friend yesterday and I and basically the conversation went this way. Hey, everybody knows uh, the election was stolen. I mean, but they've been stealing the elections for years. Let's just stop talking about it and move on. I think that's a big mistake. I think getting things to uh, having justice and getting things resolved uh, in in terms of the law, I think, is very important. This is important as well, and uh, it makes me wonder and scratch my head: if uh, am I being too cynical? Is anything going to come of this? I wonder if anything anything's going to happen to in terms of these rogues at the FBI. Well, yeah, I think there is because the, you know, assuming that the Republicans you know, win the midterms, I think we're going to see when January rolls around, we're going to see all of these investigations which have been in the works. And there's a whole lot of stuff going on right now with, you know, in both the Senate and House uh, and committees and so on. When when these committees flip and the Republicans become to take control, and I think I think then uh, also with, with – uh, Durham stuff teeing up. There's going to be a there's going to be a world of change, and and so yeah, this is this is not going to go, this is not going to go away anytime soon, and it's going to ride, ride our way into the into the 2024 elections. But it, but it, I think also when we think of election fraud and so on, we think well, these are just a bunch of uh, you know rogue lightweights that are out there harvesting ballots and so on, but. And well, well, no, it's not actually. When you think of the top people in you know the, the seventh floor of the FBI headquarters uh, conspiring with with the media and, and everyone else to to throw an election, you look at it quite differently. You look at it in terms of not just the mechanisms and the tomfoolery and the shenanigans, but you look at people who we trust to defend our country and protect us. Who are essentially uh, directly involved in in uh, rigging elections, picking political favorites, partly based on their own career opportunities, 
maybe partly based on ideologies, but they're not supposed to be representing ideologies. They're supposed to be representing our country. And that, to me, is a scary thing. Absolutely. I encourage our listeners to go to Newsmax.com and check out Professor Bell's column. It's called On Point. Latest column, Durham Trials Track Trails Through Washington Swamps. Also, latest book, Beyond Flagpoles and Footprints, Pioneering the Space Frontier, co-authored with Buzz Aldrin. Professor Bell, I always appreciate your commentary here on the show. Thank you so much for joining us. And Bob, I always enjoy it as well. Thank you so much. Okay, thank you, Professor. Well, that's a wrap here in today's show. I hope you enjoyed it. I learned a lot. I hope you'll join us on Monday Even though it's Memorial Day, we're going to have some special guests, including Mark Shulman, the founder and publisher of HistoryCentral.com. Larry Reed, he is the uh, President Emeritus of the Foundation for Economic Education. And Jim McTagg, former Barron's Washington Bureau Chief, will be with us as well. I hope you make it a great day and weekend and Memorial Day weekend on the Paradise Coast. Stay safe. Namaste. for listening to the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. For more information and audio files of previous shows, visit www.bobharden.com.